Buenos nachos, amigos, and welcome to another fine episode of the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast. I'm Petey Rave, and I've got a few things. I've got a belly full of fried rice and uh, orange chicken, and I've also got a slew of fantastic guests, starting with uh, my co-compatriot, my tag team partner. As always, I've got DJM. How you doing, DJM? Hasta lasagna, PD Rave. Welcome, one and all. Fanny Pack is better than ever. Got a knack from wrestling better. And I forgot the words of the rest that I was going to do. No, no. I'm done. Uh, Introduce our first guest. Yes. Uh, of course, we have our first guest, a returning champion uh, some of you have seen here before, a fantastic guest. Uh, we've got none other than uh, the Stormy Sooner herself, Natalie Sargent. Natalie, how's it going? It is going. Good to be here again. Good to be here. Uh, who else do we have, Deej? Well, we have a brand new compatriot on the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast, another friend of mine, formerly from the ProWrestling.com forums, Coming to us all the way from Quilacan, Sinaloa, Mexico, Mr. Armando Martinez. Armando, thanks for joining us. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. How are you? Uh, awesome. And again, thanks for joining us. Now, we totally did not plan this because Armando was on the show. We didn't plan it this way. We did not no. plan it this way. It just worked out on the schedule. But today... On this episode of the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast, we will be talking about the newest wrestling property out there on the scene coming to us from the El Rey Network, Lucha Underground. Petey, tell us a little bit about Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground is uh, executive produced by none other than Mark Burnett and uh, one uh, Robert Rodriguez. He, of course, of Machete and... Of very own, uh, of property uh, names, and it is primarily ran by the AAA uh, organization over there, obvious by the presence of a few of the talents there, and by none other than Conan. So this is very much an extension of AAA, uh, and it's it's definitely very reminiscent of a couple of shows we talked about on uh, well, one specific show we talked about before, and a couple of the properties, right, Deej? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, this show uh, is based out of Los Angeles, California, through affiliation with AAA in Mexico. Uh, and there is a good amount of influence and callback to the infamous Wrestling Society X. Uh, it is being taped and performed inside of the same facilities. Uh, a good number of the production team that was involved with this project, MTV, is working on Lucha Underground for the El Rey Network, and uh, yes, it, there's some there's some Wrestling Society X in Lucha Underground. Unfortunately, no Fabian Kalen uh, as the the ring announcer. But you cannot have everything. But uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, Natalie, first of all, uh, just jumping into Lucha Underground, what was your first thought when you saw and heard about this promotion? Uh, well, the first, uh, I'd heard about it, hadn't sat down and watched anything until, uh, you guys, uh, kind of provided me the materials. 
my first impressions, um, I think the episodes I watched, the four episodes were really tight. Um, there weren't, uh, the production quality was really high. Um, some of the little, uh, interstitial, which we'll get into, I'm sure in detail, uh, little moments, uh, you know, between the matches were a little hokey, but you know, nothing, nothing unforgivable. But overall, I enjoyed it. All right. And Armando, you're probably, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and say, you're probably the most savvy on all things Lucha Libre in this podcast episode right now. Uh, what have, what was your first thought when you first heard about Lucha Underground and just jumping into it? Well, you see, the first thing I heard about Lucha Underground was Lucha on an American setting. Americanized Lucha, if you will. That scared me a lot. <laughs> Simply because, so. well, the best description I got was it was slower. And I could not buy it at first. But then I saw the first match. And then I saw that Chavo Guerrero is one of the fucking producers. Oh, sorry. I'm not supposed to say no, right? okay. uh-huh. It's okay. Eh, Sorry, it's all right. I'll try to keep it down. But yeah, Chow is a producer, and it shows. But at the same time, it's different, and I like it. I totally like that they embrace the fact that, hey, this is a huge show, not a sport. Yes. I was yes. impressed, yes. and I'm very uh, welcome with what comes next. All right, let's just jump in. Uh, as Armando mentioned, Chavo Guerrero is involved in the production of Lucha Underground, and the very first match of episode one of Lucha Underground was Chavo Guerrero, who actually got chance for himself, not Eddie. Yes. He got chance for himself, for Chavo. Yes. Really? On... Striker made me think otherwise. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to well, talk about Matt Striker. We're talking about it, yeah. Uh... Uh, taking uh, on Blue Demon Jr. Uh, in the first match of episode one of Lucha yeah. Underground. Uh, just jumping Junior, into Lucha Junior. Underground episode one, uh, we saw Johnny Mundo, the former John Morrison of WWE fame, my future wife, Sexy Star, and my future soon-to-be, hopefully, father-in-law. I don't know. Some, uh, I, I'm going to start worshipping this man, I swear. The owner and promoter of Lucha Underground, Mr. Dario Cueto. Petey, yes. we need to talk about Dario Cueto. Dario Cueto was a fascinating character because uh, one of the main things that they emphasized early on was that he's Spanish, not Mexican. Which is, for uh, those of us who are Hispanic, understand that how actually that is significant. How that oh, works really? I didn't catch deal. that. I did not catch that. You said that uh, in the I first that. episode. Yeah, I caught that. Uh, cause there, there's, uh, when, you know, there's a lot of language about colonizers and conquerors of, about white people. Well, there was other colonizers and conquerors and they spoke a romance language. Uh, so that, that is something that is part of a lot of culture in, in a lot of Hispanic cultures is the, the, that history. Uh, that, that makes the whole life. thing, that makes the whole thing with Prince Puma that much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that is an um, that that is a very interesting plot line just on that level. Uh but yeah, Dario Cueto is 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 a is a ham and hilarious. Uh Armando, I have to ask you, what was your impression of kind of the first episode, but especially Dario Cueto? Let's get it started. Well, you see, like I said before, 
this is a TV show. It doesn't joke about it. It doesn't try to be real. And that might be the thing that makes me more welcome him of another evil authority figure. I like this guy. He's fun. He's wonderful. He's, he's absolutely wonderful. I, I, I'm someone that has despised the pro wrestling trope of the heel authority figure for years and years and years and years and years. I, I truly wish it would die. But Dario Cueto has given that trope a whole new life for me. He is absolutely wonderful. He's a character. He's a, a maniacal madman who's obsessed with power, but he has style and he has flair and he, he just does everything right for me. I, I, yes. I love Dario Cueto so much. I think his, his strength is that he's, he's not so much a heel authority, a wrestling heel authority figure. He's a soap opera villain. He is a telenovela villain. Uh, and that's something I wanted to ask Armando about. Uh, one thing that I've seen from uh, a lot of reviews and, and write-ups about Lucha Underground is that it is being described as a telenovela about a Lucha Libre promotion. Uh, Armando, what would you say about that in, in the whole comparisons to a telenovela and, and Lucha Underground? I think they're wrong. Because, you see, telenovelas are a lot more lousy and a lot more overdramatic on, on other aspects. If I were to compare Lucha Underground to something, it's like a lower budget, law and order, with wrestling. Yes. Mm, I, uh, I can definitely see that comparison. Yeah, I definitely they can. They introduced the law and order team. You know, the penny <laughs> shots of the city in all places. Yeah. Yes. They established Los Angeles very thoroughly in every episode. Uh, Natalie, what was your impression of kind of the, the, the first episode and, and this comparison possibly to novellas or to procedurals or to kind of the drama aspects of it all? Uh, I definitely, uh, I picked up on the, I do, I did pick up on the soap opera aspect of it, uh, after spending my misspent college years watching a lot of days of our lives on top of, you know, WWE and WCW. It was very soap opera-y to me, um, but in a good way, uh, not in a, you know, uh, in a bad way. It was entertaining, uh, which is why, you know, I watch those things. So, and I agree, the heel, uh, you know, promoter or authority figure has been done to death. But, you know, he is entertaining just to watch. And uh, I like their their spin on it. And I, you know, they did firmly entrench that this is in L.A. with the overhead shots of the city. And I, li- I that part I actually liked a little, you know, um, it wasn't in some nameless place but it's um, in the temple that's that's the in a temple yes, in Los Angeles. the temple which is another word for abandoned factory we rented <laughs> yes that used to have wrestling society x in it yeah yes uh, <laughs> the entrance like we can go like this is a temple that's the spot where human tornadoes and these are, are the believers the these are the believers in the temple yes uh all, ch- all earnestly chanting things that weren't in, in fact at all edited or piped in in ADR. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. 
Uh, but yeah, speaking of Dario Cueto, Dario Cueto, not only he, he's fantastic, but also he did find a moment to channel, uh, Teddy Long in the second episode, uh, right oh, off the bat. Before we go on to episode two, I must, I must, I instantly, from her first promo, I instantly fell in love with Sexy Star. I loved this promo so much. Like, it, it made me an instant believer. Like, I, I already knew who Sexy Star was and had an idea of how the, the fact that she was a star, but man, just this promo and her story and everything about her, I just, I just fell in love. I, I'm, I'm already just madly in love with Sexy Star and I want her to win all the titles everywhere. Yes, I, I, you know, definitely got hooked in, uh, by her promo. I thought it was one of the better. Uh, kind of, you know, interstitial scenes. Um, I thought the, you know, they took a very small amount of time and you knew exactly about her character, you know, for, especially important for somebody, a first time viewer or somebody who doesn't have the background and, you know, uh, may not watch, you know, AAA or any of the other promotions, uh, where these <laughs> where some of these people have showed up before, uh, I thought it was really well done. I especially love the talks with masks that came out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, you walk back, back the alley and they're going, oh, no, Lucha Socks. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what happens when you're a Luchadora. That's what happens. You that's trace right. nameless Lucha, Lucha thugs. But it's it's because everybody Lucha thinks only thugs. Top that'd, be a, stars. that'd be a great faction, the Lucha thugs. Yes. Hey, show up with that. mask on Cisco Cortez. Everybody has their starter mask. You know, not everyone finds their identity. You know, everybody has their starter mask and just wanders the street looking for a fight. You know, it's just how you do. That's how luchadors are born. That's uh, how they attack people on the streets. Yes. Uh, right. That's how, how, it, how it happens. Uh, but yeah, going into, uh, we, that was a fantastic premiere. I think we all agree it was, it did definitely set a tone from its first episode, which was very cool and interesting. And you jump into the second episode, and like I said, uh, right off the bat, we kind of pay off a little bit of, well, the first episode ends with the tease of, you know, D- Dario Cueto dangling the hundred thousand dollars that, you know, the, the MacGuffin that was the hundred thousand dollars in front of Johnny Mundo, and then, uh, slamming his shut in his face, uh, not unlike, uh, Richard Gere slamming the, 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 the pearls on, on Sandra Bullock's, uh, fingers, but not in a cute way. Uh, <laughs> he then for summons the thugs of his own, including, uh, one man who used to go by the name of Ezekiel Jackson, now by the name of Big Rick and his crew. Uh, and that sets up. With Ricky Reyes. Begin- Good for him. Good to see Ricky, Ricky Reyes. Reyes still getting work. Yes, uh, the, the, those two guys, <laughs> Cortez Castro and Mr. Cisco here, uh, they start off the second episode introducing themselves because they have to, it was very odd, the elaborate way that they had to kind of go, uh, we're gonna cut a promo. Hey, my name is. <laughs> that was but very clunky. Very clunky. Did that. At least they, they took, and this is something that wrestling promotions do so little of. They end the first episode with these guys, and then they start off the next episode with these guys actually 
introducing them, explaining what the hell they're doing and who the hell they are. That that was actually really good in my opinion. And it led into uh, a tag match kind of advancing the storyline uh, between Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma, uh, who is being advised by Conan. <coughs> you know, make of that what you will. Uh, into a tag match. Mm-hmm. A nice little so, tag so we're actually seeing in just two episodes, we're actually seeing some storyline progression, which is really, really great. You're going to see that with Prince Puma and Johnny Mundo. You're going to see that with Chavo Guerrero. And uh, uh-huh. later on, this, this episode introduces Mil Muertes, uh, a guy that I'm already like really into. His backstory is probably the most fascinating backstory I've heard from a wrestling character in a very, very long time. This is one of those things, and, and Natalie, I want, I want to hear your thoughts about this. Uh, all of these characters have these incredible backstories that are just not explained here in the States, and I'm loving this. Uh, Natalie, what do you think so far, uh, watching this, seeing, like, the backstory behind Mil Muertes and Prince Puma and, and how they're working all of these like other segments with, with the other characters into what's happening in the ring. I like, I think in this episode was the, the Mil Muertos, there goes me butchering his name, uh, promo or not even a full promo maybe, but just like a, you know, they had the female voiceover and, you know, um, you know, a thousand deaths are coming with the eerie kind of background and hallways. I thought it was very well done. I think um, sometimes to use a comparison to, you know, the WWE there, they try to tell too much up front, you know, um, they want you to know everything in the first, you know, 15 seconds and um, sometimes like the old school, you know, intro promos that, you know, WWE used to do were not like that. They were literally, you know, 10 seconds of, you know, very similar. And that to me is more effective. And, um, you know, with this promotion, they have a, some people would call it a disadvantage. I think it's an advantage of, you know, people not being aware of, you know, a majority of the people on screen and, you know, that already is intriguing. And then if you tie that with a put together, well-produced little snippet or, you know, stinger, if you, you know, so to speak, uh, it makes me want to watch more. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting uh, second episode, the tag team heavy. Uh, a couple of tag team matches and, um, ending up with the, with, uh, Mil Mortes being the hired gun to try to take, finally take out Blue Demo Jr. at the call of, uh, uh, finally. Cueto. Finally. Honest <laughs> question, isn't Blue Demo Jr. like really, really old at this point? Isn't he like in his face? He looks or something? it. <laughs> he, 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 he has that classic, Matt classic look to him. That, you know, Matt Classic is parodying. Chavo, Chavo's gotta be close to that age too, but he still looks pretty great too, so come on. Yeah, so, I don't know, it's, I think it's a different thing. Uh, but a lot of things were set up and a lot of things were established. Uh, Armando, what was your impression of the second episode? Hmm. It felt like more of the same, but considering this is a start, that was good. 
and the intro with Mil Muertes, my jaw dropped when they mentioned the earthquake. I did not expect that. Yeah. That earthquake for many years ago, that's a sensible thing for people. And it was done well. I can't complain about it. Yeah. It's something they established in the, in the, the, I believe the third episode, and then they teased it in this episode. I think with the, with the rock, we didn't quite, like, like Natalie said, they, just enough information in the second episode, uh, with the rock introducing, kind of having you intrigued why this object was important. And then on the third episode, giving you the backstory and telling you that, uh, at a later episode, not giving you, not flooding your brain with too much information right away. But giving you enough information to keep you intrigued and then establishing more and more. You know, kind oh, of good storytelling. That was an episode and three. My bad. No, 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 but it, it, it's something that is good to bring up now because of how it goes in from episode two and episode three, how well they did that storytelling wise. Yeah. I, I think telling that, stories from episode to episode. What a crazy yes. concept. Amazing. Right. Of course, I, I did enjoy the fact that, uh, when Machavo Guerrero came into the ring, uh, with the obviously impending, I, I, all I could think of that moment when Chavo Guerrero Jr. hits Blue Demon Jr. with a chair, I can only, I can imagine Blue Demon Jr. uh, saying, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> yes. Agreed. <laughs> Because you can see that him turning, because it's like, that, that is such a, an obvious moment whenever you see it in wrestling. Guy comes in, hits no one with the chair that he has in his hand, but chases them out of the ring, and is standing with the lovely. ring. And is, Close it's Chavo. That's what he's going to turn. Yeah. Uh, but. I, I will say that, that uh, during episode two, there was something that I started to notice. I myself in the past have said that I am a fan of commentator, manager, and occasional wrestler Matt Stryker. Mm-hmm. And when I heard him on the first episode as the play-by-play man for Lucha Underground, I was all in. This was this was another positive for Lucha Underground in my book. And having Vampiro as a color commentator, okay, it, it makes sense. He He has a pretty good understanding of Lucha Libre. All right. And then, brother, a couple of episodes in, brother, the, the, the show started going on and on and on, brother, and I started hearing Vampiro, brother, and it started getting really, really, really annoying, brother. How old? Oh, my God. To How the old? point where I had to tweet out that Lucha Underground now has a drinking game. Because every time Vampiro says, brother, you're going to have to take a drink. In the next season or, or the, the next batch of episodes, they have to do that has to stop, please. Uh, I know that's that's something people in the wrestling business do and say, and God damn you, Hulk Hogan, but please stop, stop with that, stop brothering me. I'm I'm not I'm not a brother. I'm not in the business, brother Jack, dude. Yes. Yeah. Also, Matt Stryker. When talking about the ladies, when talking about Sexy Star and Ivelisse and Katrina, uh, Mil, Mil Muertes' manager, he started getting a little bit more condescending and a little bit more sexist than I would like. He's going to have to dial that back a little bit because Matt Stryker's good, but sometimes he gets a little too... How do I put this? 
He gets a little too inside for his own good. And me, of all people saying that, Mr. Super Duper Smart Mark, he gets a little too self-amused saying certain things. So, so far with Lucha Underground, the only real gripe that I have is Matt Stryker, who I like, who was not terrible, and, and Vampiro, brother, because that needs to stop. Yeah, well, what did you guys think of the commentary of, of the shows, just in general? I, uh, yeah, the, the brother thing was, uh, you know, uh, if you made that into a drinking game, you'd have to be hospitalized. Um, the other thing I noticed, and this is going out of order, but, um, I think it was in episode four, and I think it was Vampiro who kind of takes a, like, I don't want to call it a cheap shot, but it was at Divas. Um, yeah, I, I know what Stryker, you're talking about. You know, of course, tackles, yeah. and that just seemed a little, uh, you know, TNA-ish, actually. Um, yeah, a little. I agree. Uh, I'm like, you know, there's a reason that you know, back in the day, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, you didn't mention the other pro- the other promotions um, because it doesn't it doesn't serve you, at, especially yeah. at this point in their development. Um, I just, I was like, it's a little TNA-ish, and not, yeah. that's not good. That's usually not a good thing. Not a good thing. Yeah, no, not to, yeah, the, the whole, uh, making jabs like, hey, that other big time promotion, and like, yeah, but there's the big time promotion, and you're not, so. Right. Don't, there's no need for you to be like, all like, because you look like, you look pathetic. <laughs> no color for uh, t-shirts here. <laughs> oh, that too. Uh, yes. uh, Armando, what, what did you think of the, of the commentary? I found it refreshing for once on the first episode. And by the second, I was tired of it already. Vampire <laughs> is just that. Yeah, it, it was a little yeah. bit much. I think that, that, I, I think Pro, I was... Yeah. Also, I think that maybe we, we could have brought back the guys from Wrestling Society X. Those guys were fun. Also, there was the there is another drinking game there. Every time Striker or Vampiro make a pop culture reference that fits absolutely nowhere, you drink. <laughs> that, I, that's I, that's, I that's Striker's entire career. I, I appreciated his, even though I don't know the source material, I appreciated his reference to the Beyonder. I <laughs> did too. I do know the source material, and I did too. I was like, because I also am a comic book nerd. I'm like, wow, that's deep. The Beyonder. <laughs> I, I, I will say also that when someone in a match did the Sling Blade, and Matt Stryker actually called out Hiroshi Tanahashi, that that really I, I really got a kick out of that. That was good. Yes, yes. yes that, that was, was good. good. He just uh, needs to dial that back just a little. Just just dial it down. Is all we're saying. Um, before we get uh, before we finish up on on uh the episode two, uh, Evelise makes an appearance in episode two. Uh, she's a personality that's ever since her time in Tough Enough has been around back and around the Indies and making headway and being being Shine Champion for a long time and uh, doing some things. And I think does a pretty good job here. What what, what was your guys' impression of Evelise's presence? Uh, Well, okay, so uh, episode three. <laughs> <laughs> Armando, Armando, Ivelisse. 
Sorry, this thing can uh, block up. It freezes from time to time. Sorry. Okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> she was cool. I admit to never having seen her before. I'm a casual like that. I had not seen any of her work besides when she got kicked out of Tough Enough because reasons. Yes. I like her. She she works. There's, I would like to see also, there. There's also another Tough Enough alumni on this show. I don't mean Johnny Mundo, by the way. But uh, Son of Havoc is played by none other than M-Dog 20, Matt Cross, also known as Tough Enough's Matt Capo something. I can't pronounce his last name. Now I have to love that guy too. (laughs) Yeah, but that that is also Son of Havoc, Matt from Tough Enough. Yes. And and they're in a team together. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Romantically linked. Uh of course, the you know, fantastic episode two also sets up further storylines. Uh, not only the Mil Martes, but setting up Chavo Guerrero's jumping in and taking Mil Martes's uh, kill. You know, uh, so which is, I mean, it, for all of the Ladota and LOL players are pissed at him because he took his kill. Um, and and they, that further sets it up, and of course, further setting things up for uh, Conan reminding uh, Prince Puma that Johnny Mundo's fight isn't his. Uh, going into episode three. Uh, let's talk about I, El Mariachi Loco. <laughs> okay, you talk about El Mariachi Loco. I will talk about Masquerita Sagrada. You, you yes. go ahead first. Dario Cueto bringing us another fantastic Dario Cueto moment. Uh, where he comes out and people and, and exclaims that, hey, people are asking him, why can't you have more lucha? More lucha. And he does the, the most hilarious. Guy. More lucha, more lucha, more lucha. And he's hilarious. And he brings out his chosen luchador, apparently from the, uh, Mexican restaurant down the street. Uh, El Mariachi Loco. From the Mexican restaurant down the street. El Mariachi Loco. Oh, can I mention? I love the announcer. I love the fucking weird places he announces from. From yeah. beyond the grave. <laughs> that, that to me is so very lucha libre. I love it. Yes, uh, and she she pr- pronounces the Hispanic it's the Spanish very well, which is I think the other important thing that she needed to do. And, and she doesn't say the following contest; she says the following lucha. Yes, uh, which I think the distinction, which is beautiful. But yeah, uh, mariachi loco. Hilariously playing it up with the air trumpets, which is, which is just beautiful. That's racist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he's actually Mexican. That's uh, even worse. Yes. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and talk about Mascarita Sagrada. Ah, uh, Mascarita Sagrada. The, the living legend that he is. Now, I'm going to throw this one to Natalie. Mascarita Sagrada. We're, we're going to... This opening match in episode three with uh, Mascarita Sagrada. What, what did you think of him? Um, <laughs> I well, what did I think? Um, the the noted mini luchador. The Mascarita noted Sagrada. mini luchador. Yes. Um, I didn't. I had much written down overall on this match, except for the fact that I thought it was. Uh, Entertaining in a 
inside way as far as the setup for it. Uh, you know, the whole, you know, the setup, the lack of authentic Lucha talent and calling the fans whiners. Not that any wrestling fans would ever be whiners. No. Uh, ever. ever. Never. Uh, I think Stryker did a really good job kind of uh, putting him over kind of as a, a Lucha Libre legend. Um, I think sometimes uh, Stryker can go overboard, <laughs> as we said earlier, but I think he did a good job of kind of, you know, uh, playing it up a little bit. Um, no. I don't know how much mileage this will get, though, is my only, uh, I think. Uh, now, you say that. Right. Now. Neo, what if I told you that you've already been watching Masquerita Sagrada on WWE television for quite some time now? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and yes, spoiler alert everybody, Masquerita Sagrada is now currently in World Wrestling Entertainment, now known as El Torito. <laughs> yes, that that is El Torito. When he's, uh, I'll say when he when he ups his power level and, and is actually, you know, doing actual lucha rather than, you know, bumping around with the 3MB and, and the Matadores. But yeah, he's, I've said for, for quite some time, Masquerita Sagrada is awesome. And I was really happy to actually see him do mm. his stuff. That made me really mm. happy. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you are grunk, sir. Am I? Mas- Ooh, go on. Mascarita Dorada is Torito. Mascarita Sagrada is Mascarita oh, Sagrada. Did I have my Wikipedia articles wrong? Yeah, yeah. actually, he was, now you were right that Mascarita, Mascarita Sagrada it was in the WWE a couple of times. A couple of times. He was, he was, he was. He was, uh, Mini Nova or yes, Nova. And uh, he often teamed with Max Mini. Uh, and I had I my Wikipedia recently. articles messed up. My bad, everybody. My <laughs> bad. Uh, but yeah, Masquerita. Thank Dorada. you, Armando, for the correction. Thank you so much. I, that's I that's why we brought you on. Not to say we don't wish Masquerita Dorada had a better thing than Mas- than being El Torito. <laughs> Another you know guy we wish had it better, but hey, whatever. Uh, but yeah. Mascarita Sagrada has been in, uh, in the WWE, uh, in different forms. And again, this is him at his home style. His home, not necessarily physically his home, but spiritually his home. In his in a Lucha Libre in uh, his rings. Yes, exactly. Um, of course, in this same episode, we furthered along, like, uh, we mentioned before, this furthered along the Mil Muertes, uh, storyline. Uh, we learned a little bit more about his background. We learned what the stone is that he carries around that he lets uh, only Katrina uh, uh, watch over. Uh, it is a you know a piece of that the rebel he emerged from. Uh, he went ahead and he was in a contest against uh, uh, the poor soul that is known by the name of Ricky Mandel, <laughs> who was in his way. Let's talk about uh, the, another cool thing about Midmoites. Uh, is how old school he looks. Similarly in, in the way that Blue Demon Jr. looks. It's a very old school looking mask. Very old school looking dressing of when he comes into the ring. He's wearing blue and white uh, pinstripe tight pants. Which is very kind of 
you know, old school feeling in and of itself. It's very classic lucha. I, I think Human Body is very classic lucha rather than new style lucha. Uh, and, and I was really surprised in finding out who was actually portraying him. This this was rather surprising. But yeah, as you you were about to uh, uh, say, you had thoughts, Armando. Yeah, I call those super tights. They are super fans with tights. Yes. You can't tell me they don't. <laughs> yes, Zubas, uh, the classic Zubas. Uh, I, I almost ordered, I, I tried to order two pairs of Zubas for DJM to, uh, and I to wear at a Dragon Con we were both in, uh, but it didn't work out. Zubas and fanny packs, brother. Mm hmm. But it will happen. It will happen. Uh, but yeah, more fantastic, uh, elements from me and Moites. Uh, how, I'll ask you, Natalie, how was your impression of seeing him in this contest and how it find the storyline progressed for him? Uh, we'll go back and revisit that. Well, I think, you know, uh, contest is being very liberal with that word, but, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I like the progression. We got a little bit more about, you know, about what his deal is. Um, you know, um, about the, you know, the 1985 earthquake. And I thought they did it very well because you could so go completely wrong and off the rails with such a sensitive topic. Um, but I think they just, they did it enough and then they, you know, moved on basically. Um, so I, you know, like I said before, they're showing just enough to get, you know, people interested and, you know, and, you know, make sense that it was basically a squash match. Um, they showed, a, you know, a little bit, you know, as far as, you know, in the ring and then, yeah, so. Yes. More later. And then, uh, then Emil Muertes must destroy. <laughs> uh, he must destroy you. Uh and uh, it was a fan- it was it was interesting as well uh then we get more of like the the story on uh, other elements of the story of him of conan warning chavo <laughs> in the back which i thought was a very interesting skit because uh it was like you know i you know we hear pray tell just watch yourself make yourself instinct you know uh referencing politics like conan there there is one thing i will there is one thing i will say that i agree completely with on vampiro never trust conan no never trust conan Uh, armando armando never trust conan right am i right yes yes you could never begin to trust conan Never. never no ever no never ever uh but yeah you can trust him on one thing though is that he brought some, uh, supposedly brought some fantastic luchadors for Dario Cueto to, uh, feature in this episode, which was in a three-way contest, uh, Drago, uh, versus Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. I, I will say the, the one, fantastic talent. the yeah. one, the one thing I will say about Lucha Underground so far was that there was a bit of a premium on quality wrestling. Until this match. This was awesome. I really yes. liked it. Yes. Uh, Natalie, uh, uh, th- this match, the, the main event of episode three, uh, Phoenix, uh, Drago, and Pentagon Jr. What do you think? I thought it was a great match. I mean, it was basically, you know, no time wasted. I mean, we're like, you know, not even eight seconds in and, 
Pentagon Jr. is already doing a plancha or something to the outside. And that was, you know, lots of lots of action, lots of high spots, um, you know, and even higher spots because I think there was a, a balcony spot as well. Um, the crowd was into it, a little bit of, you know, that this is awesome. Um, I thought it was a very, very good match. Um, now, granted, maybe I'm skewed because, you know, uh, of what I watch, you know, mainly is WWE. But so maybe my standards are not are not great. But I thought it was very well done. Uh, Armando, uh, like I said, I, I was of the opinion that there wasn't a lot of quality wrestling so far in Lucha Underground, and this match kind of changed my mind. There, there was a lot of story and a lot of world building, but until this match, I, I felt like we got some really good wrestling. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, you see, the way they tried to adapt Lucha to uh, American mainstream setting, it didn't work at first. There was a bit of a flash, especially when you see matches like the first one with Chavo versus Blue Demon Jr. was slow build. Then Prince Puma and Johnny Mundo tried their best, but it's still not feeling, not feeling it. This works. This was fast. This was fun. There were bombs. Also, can I mention something? Yeah, go ahead. When they talk about Mil Muertes origin, I, even so I love it, I can't help but think, when will they reveal that Mil Muertes causes the earthquake himself? And when will they reveal Mil Muertes long lost brother? <laughs> Red Mil Muertes. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe Mil Muertes' long lost brother will try and take Katrina away from him. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, yes. Uh, but I, I, it, I loved Drago. I loved the whole. Drago was so awesome. Drago like the whole was look. so awesome. Though I wondered why nobody tried to do the Dragon Wrench shout to bring him down. You know, he was flying all over the place. You could just do Dragon Rend. You go, bah. And, and I'm hoping that he, he starts incorporating more dragon-based offense. You know, yes. the, the dragon screw leg whip, the dragon suplex, the elbows to the side of the head like the American dragon Brian Danielson. Whatever happened to that guy? Okay. Uh, and just, just more of that. And I don't expect him to do anything Dolph Lundgren-based, but so far... Drago might be my favorite character in yes. the show. And he hasn't even really said much of anything. Just yes. looking at him is just incredible. He's another uh, future entrant in my fantasy all-dragon battle royale. <laughs> yes. All right up there with Dragon Dragon, Ultimo Dragon, Super Dragon. Uh, and there's a few of them, uh, you know... It's like but, ex- but American Dragon Brian Danielson will end up with the win, of course, yes. because I will be co-booking this with you. Yes, uh, of course. I don't know uh, if that is knows, that but, battle but royale. I'm kind of a be, fan of him. Yes, that battle royale will also be followed by an all tiger slash uh, big cat challenge, an all big cat uh, contest. The with, kitty uh, battle royale. Yes, extreme tiger, uh, Li- uh, Jushin liger. Uh, and the list could go on and on. Uh, but yeah, that was another fantastic contest. That's also, kind of a, really... before we go on, Phoenix was yes. pretty fantastic. Uh, the, the early press releases and information coming out about Lucha Underground was Prince Puma, 
all about Prince Puma. Prince Puma, Prince Puma, Prince Puma. Because, spoilers, Prince Puma is actually independent wrestling star Ricochet. Keep an eye on him. Natalie, you might be seeing him in NXT in a few years. His name is Ricochet, Prince Puma. Keep an eye on that. But I think Phoenix might be the guy that has stolen the show so far in Lucha Underground. I think he, he might be the one to, to keep an eye on more than the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he really showed it here. Uh, and he showed it in the, in episode four as well and, and kind of, you know, coming out, coming out on top in this contest and with good reason, uh, he really showed in that match. Uh, and going into episode four, they, you know, we, we, in episode three, uh, Johnny Mundo, uh, had a nice little skit where he invaded. Who still has the- his slow-mo entrance and his hair blowing in the wind, by the way. Yes. Not as, uh, not as, uh, not as, uh, blowing in the wind as much as it was in the WWE. Not as luxurious. Yeah, the, not as I was kind of a sorry. weak fan. Yes. I think it might have just been a <laughs> box a fan, fan that they held really close. Right. You get a big fan inside of the temple. Right. Yeah, no. Right. Uh, but yeah, he went ahead and went into the, the offices of one Dario Cueto, uh, who I, I, I didn't know was in, and I could have sworn, they were, it wasn't in a, down a dark hallway, it was right outside the, the venue, but whatever. Uh, he, he demanded a match with Big Rick. And, uh, that set up the episode four, and the main event of which, uh, was Johnny Mundo versus Big Rick. Uh, but was also prefaced by a few other cool contests. Evil East making another present, uh, uh, entrance. Taking on Sexy, Sexy Star. Who put out another fantastic promo. This one, I think, really impressed me as well. Uh, had another fantastic promo in the beginning of this contest, right, Deej? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm glad they had subtitles. Thank you, LRA Network. Cause I only got some of it. I was able to understand some of it, but not all of it. So, thank you, LRA Network. And, which, something I wasn't really surprised of is that Sexy Star with the microphone, Two thumbs up. No problem with it. And I don't know if it was just the believers in the temple who were totally not plants, but uh, it seems as though the people were really getting behind Sexy Star, which I'm all on board with. Again, I'm yes. I'm in love with her already. She, she's great. She's great. And then Eva, Evelise, uh comes in and proclaim, proclaims herself... The new Trina, or at the very least, the very least, she proclaims herself the baddest bitch. <laughs> uh, because, and, and they have a contest. Uh, what did you guys think of, uh, getting into episode four? Uh, the opening contest, Evil East and Sexy Star, uh, Lucha de Femenina, <laughs> Women's Lucha. How did, what did you guys think? Um, I think this was the contest, maybe, where the cheap shot at the Divas, Happened, I think. Don't quote yes, me on that. It, yeah, uh, it did. Yeah, it did. There's a but, lot of comments uh, on cat fights. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the setup uh, of the match. I mean, it was simple. You know, I think Ivelisse controlled most of the match until, you know, Sexy Star, you know, kind of steals the win. Um, and I think Ivelisse sold the loss like she was stunned. Um you came away kind of thinking maybe Evelie should have won the match, and I there was an there was certainly more storytelling in there than we normally get uh, with a divas contest. Um, 
but yeah, I, I thought it did what it was supposed to do, kind of, you know, progress, you know, um, uh, both Sexy Star and Ivelisse, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armando, well, what did you think of the uh, the opening contest of episode four? I like it. No, really, it was very good. Um, I was impressed. It was basic, but considering it's only four episodes in, I think basic works. Especially with the other differences, they all mix and give you a safe introduction to the world of Lucha. Evilis was cool. And Sexy Star finally won. That's something. Yeah. That made me happy too. That Sexy yes. Star won a match. I was really happy. I won a match, uh, on her own. Yeah. Uh, though they, they, it was a very kind of basic wrestling storytelling, though there was nothing basic about either of these ladies, I have to say. Uh, they are lovely and awesome. Uh, and it goes into more lucha, mucha lucha, uh, with Pentagon. We got another Jr. promo. We got another promo. Another promo, uh, with Pentagon Jr., uh, you know, saying he get no, no respect, no respect. Uh, uh, and of course the setup of this being that he was in that three woman match, but he didn't win the match. He didn't lose the match. He was the, the other one. <laughs> In that three-way contest uh, between the Drago, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. Uh, so he wanted to kind of redeem himself, uh, to taking on Phoenix. And it was an inter- very interesting promo and a very good match. Uh, what did you guys think of, of this contest? First of all, I was disappointed that Phoenix didn't keep the white and red costume. He looked like a chicken and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it was pretty cool. Also, I must say, I'm, ba- I'm biased. Against all pentagons. I hate them. And not in the good way. Wow. Okay. When I was like 10, I went to a lucha show and the original pentagon hit my, hit my brother in the face. Whoa. For the sake of keeping healed just because he was a dick. Wow. Yeah. I have to deal with that. That's some serious heel heat right there. That is some serious heel (laughs) heat. That's old school. Old school stuff. Yeah. They can do a lot of. (laughs) Things you can nowadays. Uh, There's something that I really wanted to talk about with episode four that uh, Lucha Underground, in my opinion, did really well. And and buckle in, kids. This is the part of the show where DJM starts to talk really, really inside baseball. And I'm going to take a transition from episode three with the three-way match and bring it into episode four. Now, episode three, you had this really awesome three-way contest where Drago, Pentagon Jr., and Phoenix all looked really, really great. Then, uh, in the end, uh, Phoenix won the match. I think, yeah, Phoenix won the match. Uh, and Drago took the fall. However, later in the next episode, Pentagon Jr. got a microphone and he got promo time to advance his character to tell everyone what he was all about. And then he had a match with Phoenix. And the two of them looked really, really good. Uh, Phoenix came out with the win once again, really kind of upping his status as this really, really good talent in Lucha Underground. Pentagon Jr. got some character advancement, which was really, really good. And then right after this, we got a vignette with Dario Cueto and Drago uh, leading into his match against King Cuerno, uh, this brand new character. And in the end, Drago came out with the win. So you had all three of these guys all looking really good and having some time spent on them 
to make all three of them look important from episode three to episode four. And that was really, really good writing and booking, in my opinion, between the last episode and this one. Uh, but uh, that, that was one thing that I noticed and really, really liked. But moving on to the next match, Drago and this brand new character, King Cuerno. Um, I, I've got to ask what you guys thought about King Cuerno. This was really, this was, this was almost too much. Like it, it was great. He, he's this hunter, and you know, he, he's looking for prey. He's my favorite. Give, give me I, more I, of this. Give me more. I have to say, before we get to your thoughts, uh, I have to say I could have sworn because of his fantastic English, I was trying to figure out which American indie indie wrestler he was. But he's not. He's an actual luchador. <laughs> an actual luchador. Uh, and I was wrong. But what, what did you guys think of this contest? And, and King Cuerno. King Cuerno. Natalie, you first. <laughs> Where to start? Uh, King Cuerno. I guess back it up a little bit uh, to the video package. Um, uh, Chopping wood and got some antlers and hunting and stalking prey. Um, how I said earlier, sometimes you can veer too much. I think I don't think they did, but I think maybe they were tipping over a they, little. They bit. got a little close. They started to get a little bit, you know. It got a little. me, oh. you know, pre-attitude era promo. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just a tad to think if they pushed it a little bit more, this would have gone into, you know, gotten ridiculous really quickly. Mid-90s WWF territory, I completely yes. understand. Yes. Yes, I have, I have to say the chopping wood combining with Matt Cross's beard just makes me miss Grizzly Wardwood. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, but, Armando, what did you think of, of the match? And well, King I said he is my favorite. King Square is the best. You know, I'm weird like that, that there is no such thing as too much for me. Go all the way if you can. 11 and over. I, I totally get where you're coming from on that one, which is why I appreciated King Cuerno for who he was. I absolutely appreciate it. And again, the, the vignette with Dario Cueto and Drago in this episode, where Dario was like trying to, give Drago the business saying, what did I bring you in for? You didn't do your job. And then, you know, Drago did his spitting thing and tried to intimidate him. And Dario Quito was like, huh, okay, whatever. And then he just There's did the mirror. thing with his eyebrows. <laughs> was like, There's what? I'm the boss. What do you want to do? And like, I love Drago. I absolutely love Drago. With me, Drago can do no wrong. So I totally get it with King Cuerno. I, I'm I'm okay with there being more of that. And yes, more fun. King Cuerno is a, a real match man. Yes. yes real man. Thank you. I was thinking it. Thank you, Armando. Thank you for saying it. Thank you. I was thinking um, it. Thank you for saying it. So Furthering along the storytelling aspect of the, of, uh, episode four, uh, we had Johnny Mundo and Big Rick's main event match, uh, that didn't end uh, up really being a match, did but anyone, as much. Did anyone else want to start chanting ECW, ECW, <laughs> ECW? Yes. Two former ECW champions. Uh, let that sink in. Uh, 
Two you know I really liked that silver belt they had. The ECW yes. Silver Championship. That was a great belt. The Platinum Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, that was a fantastic belt. Uh, yeah, it really was. It, it, like, everything aside, it was actually a really cool looking belt. It had, it had a nice prestige and style to it, which was cool. Uh, but yeah, two former ECW champions. Uh, Johnny Mundo and Big Rick. In, in a match that wasn't so much a match as it was, uh, storyline progression because it, we're still in the middle of the, of the storytelling. They're, they're of, a world building. still world building. Yeah, they're still Mundo. world building, uh, going forward. Cause this, we're, this isn't, this show isn't over yet. Uh, so we, we, there's still more episodes to watch. Uh, but yeah, this contest, uh, again, more establishing things. Conan once again reminding uh Prince Puma backstage that hey this isn't your fight this is you know focus on you uh you know I'm your only friend uh when Conan is never your only friend Conan is never your friend don't trust no. Conan don't trust Conan uh but he reminds you of that and then during the contest uh th- it was Johnny Mundo versus Big Brick ultimately Car, you know, the, 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 the lackeys, <laughs> Cortez and Cisco, uh, attorneys at law, uh, <laughs> Cortez yeah, and Cisco, partners, uh, again, law and order, court, law and order, uh, partners. Boom, uh, there Detective it is. Cortez. Law and order. Cortez and Cisco. They're Dario <laughs> Cueto's law and order. There it is. D- Detective Cortez, Detective Cisco, they're partners, uh, they gotta go, uh, uh, let's get our homicide. Uh, <laughs> but they went ahead, pr- jumped Prince Puma, and then they went ahead and jumped John, uh, John Morrison, <laughs> John, Johnny Mundo. Uh, further establishing that story, further establishing all of that. Uh, what did you guys think of kind of this aspect of the story and telling and what it could do going forward and how, if it, if it did work or if it didn't work? What did you guys think? As someone that loves the production values of the backstage segments, the whole way they were filmed, contrary to say WWE or TNA's more realistic camera setting, I think they don't fit when you use them during a match. That was weird. (laughs) You know, when the Torres of Law attacked Puma, that was weird. It was a weird change of style between the match and that. But other than that, I like it. I could get used to it. Uh, Natalie, for you, uh, someone who, who is more used to the, the WWE style of, of backstage segments and how they're produced and taped, uh, this particular segment, uh, I, I thought it was really different, but I think it worked within the context of Lucha Underground. This is still very new. Uh, what do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I mean, it basically was a tell, right? It's like, yeah, there's going to be some shenanigans. Anybody who has a pulse is going to know that, you know, there's going to be uh, the attorneys at law, I guess, are going to get involved. Um, I mean, the match itself, I didn't have a, an issue with the, with the, I don't know how to say this, placement of the, you know, uh, or use of the promo. I mean, the match itself was pretty, you know, uh, simple. Uh, you know, Big Rick is the powerhouse and Johnny Mundo, I've been trying to keep calling him that in my head, has to kind of use his quickness to stay out of, you know, uh, his reach. Um uh, 
but you know it did what it was supposed to do which was you know kind of as a tell yeah there's going to be a run-in so um <laughs> uh, which i don't know uh it could be a good thing could be a bad thing uh but i it did its job i guess is what i want to say so yeah it did uh it did establish some things important it it, it did a really good job of kind of furthering along the idea of of how much Conan was uh, imploring uh, Prince Puma not to get involved and to stay out of it, but then he couldn't stay out of it. He he, he couldn't stay out of it because he didn't necessarily get involved. He was he was brought involved. into it. Yeah, he was brought into uh, it. Like so, Co- Conan is- was saying to Prince Puma, uh, "This isn't your fight. This isn't your fight." But uh, the the detectives they they made it his fight. <laughs> Yes. Now it's personal. Uh, yes. Now it's personal. Um uh, and I think it worked well. I think overall, uh the storylines were you know, it did vary as far as the quality and kinda going from a little corny to really really well done, but overall I think all of that worked and it the first month we're talking about a a month's worth of work of hourly television did really a really good job of kind of establishing characters, establishing a flow, establishing some storylines. And then um, having some good wrestling thrown in between. Exactly. And I think that's back to what was very good about Wrestling Society X. Uh, ooh, and ooh, it, it almost. Armando, yes. Armando. Yes. Armando. I just wanted to say, I was disappointed that the table had no fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> that's yes. it. The the El Rey Network doesn't have that kind of budget yet, so yeah. we'll see. No, uh, but hey, uh, the table gave in. <laughs> At least oh, that. did it? Yes, it, it uh, broke right in half. Perfect. That that, that table that was. Or he landed. <laughs> that that table definitely was not like the the Spanish announced table or where it has like fighting spirit and doesn't sell. No, it's not, it that was one. not Japanese and all at all whatsoever. That that was a jobber table. Yes, <laughs> uh, but it was it was fantastic. And I have to ask you guys now, uh, looking back at the month overall, the first inaugural month of Lucha Underground, what did you guys think of the beginnings of Lucha Underground overall? Um, I, I enjoyed it. I think, uh, there's a limitation that they kind of neatly sidestepped when you tape a month of shows. Um, you know, cause technically, you know, uh, Chavo and Prince Puma hadn't, you know, wrestled, but they were still in the stories and, you know, they were good at introducing new characters and kind of establishing, you know, some, you know, storylines, advancing storylines, which, uh, that, that can be a novel concept sometimes. Um, and I think they made really good use out of the 60 minutes that they had. You know, there were no, maybe there were segments that maybe, you know, were like, okay, that's a little corny, but there was nothing like completely throwaway. So I think overall, I think, um, you know, usually after, you know, after you get into a new show, you start seeing, you know, some cracks, so to speak. And maybe the only noticeable one is some of the announcing, um, yes. you know, like the uh, Vampiro slash brother drinking game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, 
I think overall it was really, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, are you going to keep up with Lucha Underground? Uh, I know that, uh, you, I don't know if you have the El Rey network or not, but I, I don't. I have. They're negotiating uh, with iTunes, uh, and I'm pretty sure that it will be out on YouTube as well. Uh, so will you be keeping up with Lucha Underground? You know, I have a hard enough time trying to keep up with, uh, you know, the WWE, uh, for better or worse. Uh, will you check in on Lucha Underground? I will check in on Lucha Underground. I think there's uh, some characters there that I want to see, uh, what's going, you know, how they, how they progress, you know. Uh, Armando, uh, four episodes into Lucha Underground, uh, what, what were your thoughts? Overall, so far, I thought they they did a lot, a whole lot better than I expected, really. And considering the position I'm in, I'm almost completely done with wrestling. I stopped checking Mexican lucha. I'm done with WWE. I need to do a hell of a lot of catching up with Chikara, or I will. I welcome this with open arms, and I will be checking it out. Every time I'm not playing Smash Bros, there is. <laughs> uh, Petey, I'm I'm gonna go bold here. I'm gonna go all the way, and I'm gonna say that four episodes in, Lucha Underground is already my favorite wrestling television show. I'm I'm all the way in. I'm loving Lucha Underground. I want more now. I'm I'm yeah. loving it. Loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. Yes. Uh, as long as Matt Stryker and Vampiro can dial it a little bit down with the commentary, just just a little, dial it down. You're at a ten. You'd be at about a seven and a half. Yes. Exactly. From there, I'm I'm all the way in on Lucha Underground and all of these rumors about them negotiating with other talents like the Young Bucks and. Holy crap, Alberto Del Rio. I mean, guys, can you imagine Alberto Del Rio and Lucha Underground next year? Yes. yes. That would be freaking yes. amazing. Yes. yes. I'll have what she's having. I'll have that. <laughs> Please. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was a, a fantastic month's worth of content. And I think, uh, it really established a lot of cool things. And I think it does, it did everything we loved about Wrestling Society X, uh, without maybe, without, a lot of its pitfalls. I think it was, it's, it's a nearly a decade later. I think almost exactly a decade later. Wow. Oh okay. my goodness. It might be. I, I, we'll have to check dates, but I think everybody has, you know, sometimes when you did something, you tried something one time, then you come back to that idea like a decade later. Sometimes the time can, uh, wizen you, you know, can give you a better perspective, give you a better idea how to approach the same idea, and suddenly, oh, now it really works. And I think that's what we get with uh, Lucha Underground uh, on that level. And the fact that it's, they have not only the great talent that they have access to in being in California, being, you know, as part of the American indie scene, they can pull from people there. Or, but they also have the talents from AAA, which I think uh, help bolster it as well as far as content, content and talent-wise. So I think 
we're going to expect a lot of good things. There's one thing about Lucha Underground that I really, really appreciate is that uh, a lot of times with Lucha Libre, AAA, CMLL, the, the big two, is that it's very different from wrestling in Europe and wrestling in Japan in that a lot of times with the Lucha promotions, they really don't make a very concerted effort to introduce what they're doing to other audiences, like the Japanese audience to, to a certain degree, like the American audiences that might have a little bit of curiosity, but there isn't a whole lot of introduction. There isn't a, a, an easy way to get into it uh, unless you like have Telemundo or, or have some already working knowledge of what's going on. Or, or television. Uh, with Lucha Underground, it, it is, it is Americanized Lucha, yes, but it is a good way to introduce American wrestling fans that might be curious about Lucha Libre into what Lucha Libre might be about. And I think that's something that wrestling fans all over can be happy for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a good way to end our uh, episode. That's a good thought to end our episode. Uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. Lucha Underground, go check it out. Yeah, uh, let's, it. It's really okay. good. Uh, let's ask, uh, the guy. So, uh, now to wrap things up. Armando, what do you have to plug and, uh, tell people about? Where can people find you on the internet? Really, I can't say much. I've been out of the loop for quite a several few months. Entirely. Lucha Underground is my range to Lucha back into wrestling. What's what's your Wii U name so they can play Smash with you? Oh, Armando MC. That's all yes. we need. Yeah, go play Smash with him. I get, I get, a, I'm, I'm, I might get a 3DS at some point just because I want to play Pokemans. So I might play Smash on there. But that's a whole other thing. Yes, Pokemans. Uh, uh, Natalie Sargent, uh, what, what, what do you have going on? Where can people find you online? Are you playing the Pokemans? Uh, I am not Smash? playing the Pokemon. I am not down with the cool kids, I guess. Um, what do I got going on? I have two friends who, uh, are indie promoters, so I, th- I guess I'm gonna plug them. Uh, two gentlemen, uh, Joe Sousa and Michael McCurdy. They are running a- another show. Out in Eureka, California, the IHWE California show. Uh, Thomas Shire will defend his IHWE heavyweight title. Um, so that's exciting. So if you're in the Eureka, way north California area, you might want to check that out. It'll be at Redwood Acres. Uh, they also host a podcast, uh, IHWE Radio on Wednesday nights. I think you can find that at blogtalkradio.com slash IHWE Radio. Um, so I thought I'd give them a plug, but no, you can find my, uh, musings mostly on Twitter at Stormy Sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deej, what do you got going in your, in your neck of the woods? How's, how's Anime 3000 going for you? Oh, it's it's going swimmingly. Yes, I, I am now a part of the A3K network over at Anime3000.com, where you can find all sorts of wonderful podcasts, such as The Manga Corner, The Other Side, a, A3K Radio, Two Guys in a Mic, and maybe the International Anime League in the future. 
all on the interwebs at anime3000.com. As for me, yours truly, the Deej, I'm still doing my thing with shooting the shit with two nerdy black guys. The Nanashi Anime Podcast is almost coming back. And yes, Fanny Pack Wrestling right here, but if there's anything else, just head on over to deltajulietmike.com. And you can mm-hmm. follow me on Twitter at just call me DJM. Like a fish called Wanda, you say the whole thing. Just call me M E D J M. Yow! Yes. Uh, you, there, that's his info. You can find me on Peter Rave all over the internet. I'm doing all the shows. I'm doing, you know, three podcasts. Uh, uh, you know, I've got this. I've got record breakers. I've got the Halujuku, uh, where we do the East Asian pop culture. Stay tuned. Record breakers this week. We have special guest, uh, Giko Suave himself, uh, Jaime, aka Tensor Guy this week. We're going to talk. Jaime. We're going to talk Queen, a kind of magic. We're going to talk Highlander. <laughs> uh, nice. there can be only one. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting talk. Uh, so check that out. Uh, Rebelli.net for this. Uh, you can find us here, the Fanny Pack, every other Sunday night now. Uh, because of my schedule, we switched over to Sunday night. So every other Sunday night will be live here on video. And of course, still every other Monday night uh, on the audio on the feed. So go subscribe, share, like, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, that's it. I will leave you with these wise words from my fortune cookie today. Uh, failure is the only opportunity to begin more intelligently. In your pants. Until next time, hasta los huevos. Beans and disease, everybody. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>